0: Thank you for listening to the Fire Life Church podcast. For more information on Fire Life Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. All right. Uh, so if you open your Bible um, to Zephaniah chapter 3 and to Hebrews chapter 7, um I, again, I don't really have like a sermon, but I have a word that, that came through a conversation with my grandma, and uh, I just want to share it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Lord. We ask that you would anoint this time and say what we need to say, Lord, so that you would shake us into new faith. Come on. Would you pray that we say, God, I ask you to entice me into greater faith today. Amen. All right. I want to, um, I'm going to tell a story first before I read those scriptures. And um, I'm just going to talk for a second, kind of tell you where I was in my mind, in my headspace. Last Saturday was my parents' 50th wedding anniversary, and so we were celebrating, having a great time. They had some friends and family, and they were hosting at their church. And for, for those, of you, those of you that don't know this, I'm sharing it for a reason. Um, we were taking family photos, and it, it was clearly obvious that something was going on with my mom. And uh so um we're taking our pictures and with my mom and she begins to uh just react not in a good way. And so uh, I look over at her and like the first thing's out of my mouth is like hey everybody stop mom's having a stroke. Like something's going on. Like and so legitimately she did have a, a TIA, a small stroke. And uh so we rushed her to the hospital. Uh, and this was like with right in the middle of this uh, celebration, it was pretty crazy. Her brother uh, surprised her from Missouri, and her, her mom came down from colorado and This was a cool event like we're having a great time and Um, So my mom's not feeling well. We're fanning her. We're trying to help her. And thank the Lord there was a nurse that worked at the church. And the the, the paramedics got there very quickly. And we had photographic evidence that literally she did have a stroke. They were very thankful that they had actual, like, what was going on. And so they ran tests for a couple of days and found out that she had had another stroke before that she didn't know about. So um, she's fine. Everything's good. But... Now we have new information, and so um, the reason I'm telling this story is because how I got into the van with Grandma. So Grandma's from Denver, and my mom was supposed to drive her back and and meet with the family because my grandma's going to live here during the winter. So she misses all the snow in Denver, and she's going to move back to Denver in the summer. So she misses hell in Texas, right? (laughs) So, so um, I was like, "Hey, I'm driving Grandma home. Mom, there's no way in this world you're getting in this car and going driving, and you're not even going. You're staying home." She wanted to ride with me because she wants to see the mountains, and I'm like, "No, Grandma. I'm going to. No, Mom. I'm taking Grandma." So uh, Wednesday morning, got up early, grabbed Grandma. Uh, she's, uh, she's about to be 92 by the way. And she is feisty. Like she, we're, I'm trying to help her into the van. She's like, I can do it myself. And she's pulling herself up in the valley. Come on, grandma. And I'm not, uh, she's not even that she's about this tall. She's like four foot 10. I'm not, no exaggerations here. She's a little lady, but she's so strong and powerful. So we're in the car and, um, I, I, don't, I haven't had the opportunity the last you know, 10 or so years to see her as much as I used to. And so I thought, this is awesome. I get to ride in the van, just me and grandma, no one else. We're on the road. We're not putting the radio on doing the, you know, when you're driving, you just hit seek until you finally find a station and listen to whatever it is. It's hip hop. It's country. It doesn't matter. I found a station. But <laughs> We weren't going to do that. I'm going to listen and, and hear from grandma. So we're, we're sharing stories and she's telling me all about her life. And she had a really cool life and she's, Strong. She's fell and broke her neck, she's broken her hip, and she's still getting around on her own. And uh, anyway, she's amazing. And so um, she's telling me about her family. I was telling her I did some ancestry stuff and found out her family's last name was Dawes, D A W E S. And they were, they were pretty well off farmers and stuff back in, the, in Oklahoma, and they had oil on their land. And so they were pretty well off. And so she was telling me about her dad. And uh, when he was about six or seven years old, he fell and he broke his. He, he tragically broke his leg. And he broke it severely, okay? And for whatever reason, although her, his family was wealthy, um, they didn't take him to the hospital. They didn't take him to a doctor. And so his leg healed com- terribly deformed. Um, I remember uh, very little when, when I was growing up uh, hearing and seeing stories of his leg actually healed crossed. So his legs were like this, and so he, he literally walked like this everywhere he went. And um, it's, it's a horrible story when you think that they had the finances to do something, but they just, they didn't do it for whatever reason. I don't know if maybe it was, they were religious or I don't know what the reason was, but they just never, they never took care of it. And, um, uh, but he didn't let it stop him. He still worked. He worked really hard. Um, he learned to walk, even though it was painful. He didn't, he didn't let it make him disabled. He he wouldn't call himself that. He's like, No, I can walk. I can do this. And so he was a strong man. And um, so she's telling me about this. And then then we start talking about mountains, because we both love the mountains, right? And so she's like, Oh, I love the mountains. I was like, Oh, me too, grandma. That's my that's gonna be heaven. That's in heaven, I'm gonna be in the mountains. She goes, Oh, me too. And so we start talking about mountains and trees and elk. We love to see the elk because they're just beautiful creatures. And, and I was like, well, Grandma, like, have you ever been to like the Redwoods in California? She's like, oh, no, I don't really like California. Now, th- she's lived in like 26 states because my grandfather was like a, a, a surveyor with pipelines. And so he traveled and followed. They moved all the time. And she's like, oh, no, I don't like California. And uh, I was like, okay. I was like, well, I got to tell you this. One time we went to the Redwoods. And it's mountains. It's beautiful mountains. And have you ever seen the redwoods in California? They're two hundred plus feet tall, and some of them you literally can drive a van through it. We've done it. You can drive. They're so wide you can drive a car or a van through these trees. They're so massive. And there's this place up in northern California before you get to Oregon, where the mountains meet the ocean, and it's gorgeous. And there's a a herd of elk up there called the Roosevelt elk. And if you've ever seen these before, it's named after Eleanor Roosevelt. It's this herd of elk. And what's beautiful, I'm just talking to grandma. Now I'm doing this with you. So, all right. So the, the elk come out of the mountains where the redwoods are, and they go down on the beach. And I was just telling grandma how strange it is to see elk on a beach. It just doesn't make sense. And so I'm like, grandma, do you like the ocean? She's like, oh, no, I don't like the ocean. I was like, well, it's beautiful. She goes, I don't like water at all. I was like, well, that does, I don't understand, Grandma. Like, did you ever learn how to swim? And she's like, no, I never learned how to swim. I was like, okay. She's like, my dad wouldn't let us swim. She had four, she had four brothers and sisters total. And she's like, yeah, dad never would let us learn how to swim. And she's like, because he was afraid that if something happened, he couldn't rescue us. And it hit me, man. And I started thinking about this. I was like, God's not like that. Yeah. I won't let it sit in. Her dad was afraid to let her do something that's risky but fun because of his limitations. Yeah. But God's not like that. I started thinking about my life, and I was like, God's able, He's not disabled. And I've reduced my life to what I think he's capable of caring for. Or I've reduced my life to, well, if I get in too much trouble, he's not able to save me from that. And I'm not saying go sin, I'm saying taking risk for his honor, for his glory. And so I started thinking about how horrible that would have been as a as a as a dad and then as the kids like come on dad all of my friends get to swim why not and he was making his decision based on his inability and I wanted to tell you today that God's not like that God is able to save you and so many of us think that God is similar to my grandpa and we've shrunk our lives down out of fear listen to me we may not realize we do it we sometimes even call it wisdom I know my limitations, I know the trouble and I'm going to reduce my life to where there's no chance of failure because I don't know if God can rescue me. I know I can't rescue me, but I'm not actually sure God can rescue me. And we've reduced the amount of fear, the amount of faith and the amount of risk we're willing to take because of our bad perception of God. Zephaniah chapter three. I'm just gonna read these scriptures and then I'm just gonna keep on with the story for a second. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 16. And it says, in that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Let not your hands be weak. Come on, somebody need to hear that. Don't let your hands be weak. For the Lord your God is in your midst. Come on, would you say it with me? The Lord my God is in my midst. Say it with me. The mighty one. He will save. Come on. And then it goes on. It says, he will rejoice over you with joy and gladness, and he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The Lord our God is with us. He is mighty to save us. Come on. Um, In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, it says, therefore, God, he is able to save to the uttermost. Everyone say the uttermost. Nothing is beyond his grasp. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to him through God. Come on. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. God wants you to expand the territory of your life. It's time to stop playing it safe. I'm talking to me mostly, but I felt like this would hit some, some others. I felt like this is a word for us. Like, it's time to take some risk. Does that mean sometimes we'll stumble? Absolutely. We'll we'll take a risk and it may not work out. But guess what? He says, even if you stumble, you will not fall. (laughs) Come on, man. And I'm not talking about morality here. I'm talking about going after things in life. I'm talking about dreams that God puts inside of your heart that you've been afraid to go after because of fear. It's time to say, you know what? God is with me. He's mighty to save. There's a scripture that says his arm is not short. His ear is not too heavy. He's able to save us. He's able to just rescue us. And guess what? He wants us to take the risk because he loves to see us flourish in adventure. Do you know that about God? He loves to see you flourish in adventure. He loves to see you expand your life even with the risk of falling. He loves it. He hates to see us play it safe. Come on. When he's walking on the water and Peter sees him, and Peter cries out to him, Lord, is that you? He's like, yes, it's me. And then Peter says to him, if it is you, Lord, tell, tell me to come out to you. And the Lord's like, well, come on. The only reason Peter could call out to him was because Jesus was already calling out to Peter. The feeling that arose of, I'm going to go on an adventure. I'm going to walk on the water with Jesus. I'm going to take a risk. That feeling that Peter felt initiated, was initiated from Jesus, not from Peter. So the risk that the Lord wants you to take right now is not risk that you dream up or you come up with. It's a response to his call to you. It's a response to his destiny over your life. It's a response to his voice saying, come on with me, let's go take a risk and let's walk on the water together. There was another part of this story that was interesting to me. So my my great, great, Grandpa had 12 kids, and I told you they were wealthy, they had land, they had oil on the land, and they were, they were so uh, wise with their money that with every child, all 12 kids, they were given a large portion of land that had a working farm on it with oil on, on their land, every one of his kids. How awesome is that? How many felt that? Like, you want to do that for your kids. Maybe not necessarily land and oil, but you want to leave an inheritance. We just said it, inheritance for our children's Children. So they left this inheritance for all their kids. And my grandpa's farm was 80 acres. That's what he started out with. He ended up buying more, but he had 80 acres. That's a lot of land and it had oil on it. And he was, uh, he was even though he was disabled, he worked this land and worked really hard. And so I was just thinking about this. Like they were that well off, but they withheld care from him when he was a little boy. And I started thinking about this in the terms of God wants me to take risk, but also God's not going to withhold anything from me. When it's in his power to do so, he acts. He's not going to withhold from you. Like he he doesn't keep things back from us. He doesn't say, well, you can't, you can't have this right now, or it's for another person. It's not for you. You're not holy enough, or you you haven't performed X, Y, Zs to get this thing. So he withholds. God doesn't withhold anything from us. Would you say that to yourself? God does not withhold from me. Say that again. God does not withhold from me. Do you know that was the lie that Adam and Eve believed that caused them to sin? Did God really say you could eat of all this stuff, but he kept, he withheld one thing from you? Oh, God's holding out on me. God's not holding out on you. He's not, He's faithful. His arm is not short. His ear is not heavy. He's mighty to save. He rejoices over us. He doesn't want us to reduce our life. Do you know when I I say that? Do you really understand what that, like what we do? How many of you have ever experienced that before? Like you felt you reduced your life. I shrunk it down to like, man. And we don't all do it in the same area of life. We do it in the area where we don't trust. And the Lord's saying, I'm not afraid for you to take a risk because even if you take a risk and you fall on your face, I can rescue you. And we'll get up and I'll dust you off and I'll teach you and I'll give you wisdom and we'll go try it again. And we'll try it again. And we'll try it again until you succeed. And then when you succeed, you're going to look at me and say, look what you did, God. And God's going to look at us and go, look what you did, son or daughter. Look at you. Good job. That's what the Lord wants to do for us. He wants our experience with him to be from glory to glory, not from failure to failure. Oh, come on. I got to end with this story. So in 1 Samuel chapter 14. So Saul had a son named Jonathan. You will remember him as David's best friend. They were blood brothers. They loved each other like a brother, right? And uh, so David and, uh, so Jonathan had an armor bearer with him, and they were still at war with the Philistines. All right, it's very apropos to talk about that right now. Israel at war with an enemy. Jesus help Israel, by the way. Hmm. That's, can we just do that? Father, may Israel be saved. your word says you will save them. Rescue Israel. She is the apple of your eye. (laughs) Protect her. Restore her righteousness. Amen. Amen. Anyway, so Jonathan is with his armor bearer, and they're at war with the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel 14, verse 4, They come to this place where it's a a, a pass, like a mountain pass. And on one side, there's a cliff mountain, and on the other side, there's a cliff mountain. And they go over there, and there's a sharp rock side on one side and the other. And verse 5 says, the front of one faced the north, opposite of Michmash, and the other faced southward, opposite of Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, who wore all of his armor. (laughs) This is crazy, all right? talking about risk. This is how I want to end it, because I want you to remember this. He looks at his armor bearer. He's like, hey, we're just two guys out for a walk, and we're at war with the Philistines, and we're in Philistine territory. He goes, let's go over to this garrison of the uncircumcised Philistines, and maybe the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. (laughs) You've heard that verse. This is where it comes from. It's two people Walking into an encampment of Philistine soldiers, thinking, you know what? We can handle these guys. We got it. Maybe the Lord's with us. <laughs> so his armor, his armor bearer, who was loyal to him, said to Jonathan, do everything that's in your heart. In other words, I'm with you, whatever crazy thing you're about to get me into. I'm with you. Get friends like that. We need, we need to be those people and get friends like that. I'm with you. I don't know what crazy thing you're about to do, but I'm with you because we're doing God's work, right? So he says, go then, here I am, uh, with you, according to your heart, verse 8 Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men (laughs) and we will show ourselves to them. We're not sneaking up on them. We're not gonna crawl in with our, our ghillie suit where they can't see us and camouflage. We're just gonna walk straight up to them and let them see us. And he says, this is his brilliant warfare tactic. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. That is horrible warfare tactics. They had the high ground and you were on the low ground and you're weapon of choice here is, if they tell us to climb up this hill where they've got the high ground, then we'll know God's given them to us. No, his armor bearer could have said, that is the horrible, that's the opposite. No, you've got it flipped. You need to do the other. If they say, we'll come down to you, then you're, that's the sign. But no, he said, do whatever's in your heart. If they call us to climb this rocky mountain up to them, we'll know God's given to us. So, They both showed them, hey guys, we're Israelites. Yeah, I'm the king's son, that's right. And here's my armor bearer. And we're down here in this valley and you've got the high ground and we just want you to see us. Hi guys, how you doing? So crazy. And the Philistines look and said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding. (laughs) I love that. And then the men of the garrison called Jonathan his armor bearer and guess what they said to him. Hey guys, come up here. And then look at what it says. We have something to show you. <laughs> that sounds like a track, attack of the enemy, right? Hey, guys, you idiots. We've got something to show you. Come up here. It's a surprise. It's like a, you know, Wile e. Coyote and the Roadrunner, that kind of stuff. And so Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says, well, come up after me, for the Lord has already delivered them into our hands. <laughs> come on. So verse 13, Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his knees. This was a little hiking trail. They had to crawl up this sheer rock face on their hands and knees, crawling up this mountain, right? And his armor bearer, true to his word, is right there with him. And he came after him and his armor bearer, his armor bearer, here we go again. Jonathan gets him in the mess and his armor bearer goes and kills them all by himself. It says it. And his armor bearer killed them. The first slaughter. Now it says Jonathan entered in, but the first, the first slaughter was with Jonathan and his armor bearer. It was 20 men, two guys against 20. And Philistines were, were giant. They were big. They were, big. They, they, they were, you know, known for their giants, like, you know, the famous one, like Goliath, right? They were known for this. And Jonathan and his armor bearer killed 20 of them. And it was within about half an acre of land. So they had a small space and they just took care of business because God was with them. And I wanted to tell you that story. Because when I hear those things and I read these stories and, I, and, and when I tell Levi stories that night, I like to tell him stories of it like that, because I grew up a coward. I was afraid of a lot of stuff. I could still say as an adult, I still have cowardice in me. I don't want to look like a fool. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to make a mess that I don't think I can clean up. I don't want people to think what a dumb thing to do. I don't want the pain of failure. And I feel like the Lord's saying, it's time to kill the coward in you. Like, do, I, do I believe that God said it or not? Then if you said it, then I'm going after him and whatever happens, happens. I'm going to obey the Lord. It doesn't always work out exactly how I think in my head. All right, come on. But the goal is to just say yes. It's the obedience is the goal. Like we think victory is the goal. Victory's the reward. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is the obedience. Yeah. The goal is. I took risk. I had faith. I stepped out. We talked about it last week. The woman with the issue of blood. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get to touch the hem of his garment, and I know if I get there, I'm gonna be well. There was a faith involved, and I, I think if there's something that I would love to see start up, um, first and foremost, if I was to make a list, all right, fire life. These are things that we need more than we've ever needed before. Number one, it would be an awareness and a desire for his presence just to be with him, to be in the shadow of his wing, to be close to him. The second thing, I think it would be faith. Faith. I feel like, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to Fire Life, we, the, the historical arc of Fire Life. We've reduced our life as a church, as families. We've shrunk down the possibilities out of out of fear, or out of, I'm going to be a good steward, or out of, man, we're, we're really in hard times, so we've got to pull back. What I'm, what I'm seeing all through scripture is that God almost always asked him to do the opposite of what conventional wisdom was. Almost always. Like, if you don't have any money, give all your money away. That doesn't make any sense, Lord. <laughs> I need money. No, you need to obey me and give your money away. Like you see it through scripture. Like I need this thing. Well, the Lord asked for the thing that you need. Hey, you know, Abram, I promised you a son, but I, and now I want you to give your son to me as an offering. Oh, wait a second. You said you were going to give me an heir. It's like all through scripture. Oh, if they, if they tell us they're coming down to us, then now we're going to, we're not going to fight them today. But if they ask us to come up the mountain, then the Lord gave them to us. It's all through the Bible because God doesn't want us to lean on our own understanding. You know it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. I feel like that's what faith looks like. It's not faith. It's not wisdom in my own eyes. It's what's wise to God. And so many times in my life, the thing that feels like I should do or I'm naturally inclined to do is the opposite of faith. And the Lord's like, I want to kill the coward in you, Jared. How many feel that? I, I'm, I don't want to be a coward anymore. Raise your hand. I'm, yeah. I don't want to be a coward. This is not the day to shrink back. This is not the day to be a coward. We got stuff to take care of. Yeah. Hello? <laughs> we got a whole world ready to be saved. The fields are ripe for harvest right now. Yeah. All he's missing is for some crazy Jonathans and armor bearers that are like, hey, Lord, whatever you tell us to do, we'll do it. And we'll know that you've given this into our hands. I'm, gonna, I'm going for that. I, I'm, the only way to break cowardice is to act on faith. Hello? You can't think your way past coward. It only breaks when you cross the chicken line, as they say, and you go for it. Hey, man, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I know the Lord's calling me to walk on that water. He called to me, and my heart responded, hey, if it is you call me, he called me first, right? Would you stand with me because I just want to pray this into the church. He is my, His arm is not short, he's mighty to save. He's not disabled. Come on. Mm. ask a question. How many of you right this moment know of a Goliath in your life that you're supposed to face? Like, you know about it right now. I just want to see your hand. Like, you know it. Like, you're already there. All right. Thank you. Now, how many would say, I don't know what the giant is I'm supposed to go after yet. Would you raise your hand? All right. So the Lord's going to do two things today. Number one, for those that know their giant, he's going to pour courage in you to go after the giant. All right? So you already know what it is. You know what you've been facing. The Lord is going to give you crazy faith tactics that is going to take down your giant. For those that don't know what your giant is, let me say this. Everyone needs a giant to kill. Come on. There's a, there's a teaching that John Eldridge does for men, and he says every man needs a giant to kill. Needs a mountain to climb. Needs needs a, a a lady to rescue. This is you know toward men. But everyone needs something. Needs a battle to fight when you wake up in the morning. You need a purpose. Thank you. Amen. You need a purpose. You need something that gets you up and says, "You know what? I'm going to fight today. I'm going to war. I'm going to win today. I'm not looking to the future, but today. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord, and I'm going after the Lord to fight this thing today, and I will win because God is with me." And I am with God. So you need to know. If you're, if you're like, I don't want to know what a giant is. I don't, I don't want to see the giants. I want to I pretend they're hiding under the bed. and I want to keep the lights out. I don't want to see it. You're wasting away and depression will take hold of you. I, like, that's just what happens. You need a giant. It needs to show itself to you. You're like, that doesn't sound fun. What's, what's the most fun is when you cut that giant's head off and you carry it back as a trophy. That's fun. Come on. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, so I want to pray for the, the, those that don't know your giant. Would, can we all pray right now that God would reveal to us the giant and that they would show themselves to us? I, I know we're praying a risky prayer right now, but it's for, because we're supposed to go from glory to glory. So would you all pray with me? Some version of prayer. I'll lead, but you pray as well, out loud. God, we ask for you to show us our giant. Show us a mountain we're supposed to climb. Reveal our purpose for this moment, this season. Reveal the giant we're to slay right now in our life. And God, we just ask that you would give us the courage. Now let's pray for courage. Give me the courage to go after that giant. To not hide. Like, like uh, Jordan Peterson says, we are not supposed to hide things in the dark or in the fog. God, reveal to us what we're supposed to face and give us the strength to rise up every morning with purpose. We have a purpose. We have a calling. We have a reason for living, and it's to defeat this thing. We're to take territory. Come on. Everywhere your footsteps, he told them, it would be your territory. So they got up and they went on walks because they wanted to claim territory. So you're going to go on some walks. You're going to claim some territory. You're going to go where the enemy is and you're going to put your foot there and you're going to say, you know what? This is now my territory. Amen. (laughs) Let me say this. So David was very skilled at the slingshot. That's why he chose that weapon of war. He was skilled at it. But don't be mistaken, the Holy Spirit led that stone to where it needed to be. So he's, gonna, he's going to partner your skill and your calling and your gifting with his Holy Spirit. So it's not going to be by might, but by power, by his spirit. But you're going to take the expertise and the skill he's given you, and he's going to marry the two and it's going to create victory. So Father, I release that now that you would take our skill, the lessons we've learned, the experiences we have in life, the things that we have trained, you've trained our hands for battle. And now we're going to take the things you've taught us to do, and we're going to go to war, and we're going to trust you, Holy Spirit, to give us the victory. Amen. All right, for those that you know the giant, maybe you've been fighting it for a long time. He's overstayed his welcome. Let me me give you the encouraging news. It's time for a new giant. (laughs) It's time to kill that one and move on to the next one. It just is. It just is. So, Father, we ask that you would speak to those that know who the giant is. They've seen it. They've seen his ugly face. They've smelled his horrible breath. They know him. They've seen him. They fought him. He comes to them in their dreams. Well, he's gone. He's gone. His days are numbered. This is it. It's over for him. Give us the courage and the strength to fight this enemy, to take him down, Lord, so that we can move into a new territory. Father, this is your calling to us. This is not us stirring this up in ourselves. This is not us trying to feel significant. This is us responding to the significance that you put in us, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Father, we will face giants and we will win for our children. Come on. For our nation for a world that needs to know Jesus, is not dead in a tomb somewhere. He's not hanging on a cross. He's alive and well, and he's able, he's able to do anything. Amen. So now we've got a target. So now the homework has to start when you, when you walk, maybe you have a prophetic word. You're supposed, maybe that's your first step is to give a prophetic word to someone or pray for someone here in the room. But once you leave this property, tune your ears to the Lord and look for places to take risk. Let your compassion be stirred up and feel the compassion you feel and say, oh, Lord, that's the language of faith. That's the language of risk. I feel compassionate for this person. I'm going to move into that direction. You're going to give me the victory. Begin to take risk. We have to. I love that. I love what, for those that aren't part of the men's ministry, I love what Lance brings to it. And it's, it's, it's that's it. I would say that's the central core value to Lance is like, guys, we got to start doing stuff we wouldn't normally do. Because we got to stop shrinking our lives. I would say that's that's the life message that comes into the men's meetings. Is like you're going to take risk. I I love that they have homework every week in one of their groups that they do. Like you got to do something. You got to cross the chicken line, and then you got to come back and tell us that you did it. I love that. Can we do that? Can we start taking risk as a church? Like go pray for someone this week. Everyone, homework. Go pray for someone that's sick. Give a prophetic word to someone on the street. Come on, go for it. Hey man, what would you to close out, if you want prayer for something specific, we'll meet you here at the front, but but before we do that, and before we dismiss, I want you to pray for your neighbor. Practice now. Just pray whatever the Lord gives you for them. Bless them. Pray the Holy Spirit would come over them. That courage like they've never experienced before. That boldness like a lion would come up from inside of them. Come on, yes. Yeah, stir boldness and conviction and faith and, and signs and wonders inside of us, God. Put a fire in us, God, that won't go out. Stir the flame inside Awaken us. Make us alive. We're not dead. We're not depressed. We're not lost. We're not fading away. We are increasing and going from glory to glory that your kingdom may come and your will may be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I ask that you make me a man of faith and courage instead of cowardice. We drive out the coward. We kill the coward today. Whew.